therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is the word of the Lord. mission and our vision as a church. And this Sunday, we're going to be considering why we gather for community. So as we begin, I want to circle back and steal as well that illustration that Tab used last week about how our destination determines our direction. On any journey that we're taking, it's, it's, it's absolutely vital that we know the destination, that we know where we're going, because that determines the direction, that determines the path that we're going to go. Uh, a few weeks ago, my family and I, we went on vacation, and we were going out to see my parents in Arizona. We were going to, uh, we stayed at their place in Mesa, and then we went up to Sedona together, and then we, we made our way back here. And so, knowing that my destination was Mesa, Arizona, as I was driving down Greenfield Drive, and I see the signs for the freeway here, got 8 east or 8 west, I know my destination is Arizona, so, so I'm going 8 east. I get in the lane, turn my left turn signal on, and I'm going 8 east, right? If I was going to the beach, I'd want to go 8 west, but because my destination was Arizona, I'm going 8 east, although we probably should have gone to the beach because it was very hot there. <laughs> but in the same way how our, our destination on any journey determines which direction we go, which path we take, so our, our direction as a church determines what we do and, and how we do it. And here at Grace Church, we've said that our destination, summed up in our, in our mission and our vision, is to be a gospel-centered community on the gospel-centered mission of making and growing disciples. Now, a disciple is just a, another word for a Christian. So, so everything that we do here as a church, we, we want it to be geared towards, we want it to be focused on making and growing disciples here in our, in our city, in our church, and around the world. And so that's why we, we think it's so important for us to take this, this step back, take this 30,000-foot view, as it were, of, of what we do and why we do it as a church so that we can connect our Sunday gatherings, we can connect our home groups, we can connect the various ministry partners that we, that we partner with so we can connect it to the why of our church. They're not just random things that we've decided to do, but, but there's a why behind it. And we, we want scripture to be driving that. So last week we saw how Colossians 4 drives how we scatter for mission and how we want to make 
the most use of the time. And this morning, we want to look at why we gather for community. And we want to consider how Hebrews 3 speaks to that for us. Um, Before I I dive into specifically what our home groups look like and how our mission and our vision shape our home groups, I just want to mention that that our home groups aren't the only way to get community in this church. As as Sharon and Anise were just up here talking, the the ladies' Bible study is a great way to find community, to get it in. Um, The the men's Bible study that meets every Tuesday morning, that's another great way to find a community, to get it into this church. But our home groups are, are the primary way that we structure, the primary way that we, we program as a church for us as a body to be being built up to, to make and grow disciples in our church. So, so I'm primarily going to be focusing on that, but don't hear me excluding these other means or even whatever else you might be doing in your life of, of regular getting, of, of intentionally and regularly getting together with other Christians for the purpose of, of building one, and up, one another up. That is, that is very meaningful and God is, is using that. And I'm sure everything I'm going to say here applies to those means as well. And just uh, if it wasn't enough here, just one last caveat. Um, this morning, we're primarily going to be looking at one aspect of our, of our life together in our community groups. And primarily, that's how we're seeking to, to intentionally open up our, our lives and our hearts here to one another for the purpose of care so that we might grow as disciples. But that is just one aspect of our care together. And this morning when you walked in, you received this document that says um, the Grace Church home groups are purpose, priority, and approach. And this here gives a little bit more holistic vision of what we're talking about here, how we're thinking about our home groups. And this week, I'm just gonna, this morning, I'm just going to be hitting on one of those. Well, thank you for bearing with me. So as we turn to Hebrews Three this morning. As we turn to this passage, we're going to see that the writer to the Hebrews gives us two commands that, that shape and inform not only why we want to gather for community, but as I was just saying, here in Grace Church, these two commands shape how and why it's vital that our home group is, be places where we're opening up our hearts and opening up our lives to one another. So we're going to be looking primarily at verses 12 verses 12 and 13, and, this, and in verse 12, the writer tells us, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Here we see that we, we want to gather for community because God's called us to be a people that takes care with our hearts here. To, to take care, it means to, to pay attention or, or to be on guard. There's, a, there's an intentionality here that the, the writers of the Hebrews is trying to, to get across to us. He's telling us uh, to take care of your hearts. Take care of what's going on with your hearts. And we see that he, he singles out and he hits on our hearts because biblically speaking, the hearts are like the, the spiritual center of our lives. Our, our hearts are like our, our control centers that control everything we do. All of our, our thoughts, all of our emotions, our, our desires and our wants, all of our actions, all of our, our reactions, all of these flow from our hearts. And because of this, the writer tells us to take care with our hearts. Now, as we consider this uh, sermon here on why we gather for community, you might read this, this command to take care with your hearts, and you might think, well, Josh, that sounds like a pretty individualistic thing. Why do I need to, to take care with my heart? How is that connected to what we do as a community? 
And one of the things I was just struck by in this, in preparing for this sermon was just how, how individualistic I can, can come to the Bible and how individualistic I, I find myself reading the Bible that I can come across this command that says, take care with your hearts. And I can just make that all about me, myself, and I. I read that command and I just think, all right, it's got to get on my to-do list. So I open up my Todoist app. I type it in there. I put it under my, my spiritual life category. Josh, take care of, take care of your hearts. And so it you know, ticks up, Josh, you got to check this off your box today. And I just think, all right, I got to bear down. I got to, got to work. I got to take care of my heart. I got to do this on my own. And, and that's just not what the writer to the Hebrews is is calling us to do here. I think the, the writer to the Hebrews in two ways is, is pointing our, our minds, is pointing our hearts to the fact that we take care with our hearts together. This is something that we do together as a body, as a, we do it together communally. I think first, just uh, to highlight a, an obvious fact here, this, this, this command here to take care with your hearts is, is plural. He's writing to, to the whole body. And then just to make sure that we don't miss the fact that he's talking to the whole church together, taking care of your hearts, he follows it up with brothers, or, or we should read that brothers and sisters. And so he's writing and he's saying, take care, brothers and sisters. He's calling us together to take care with our hearts because we can't do it alone. This command here to take care with your heart is an, is an invitation to community because we take care in community. And this is just such a, a freeing and a relieving thing, or at least it is for me. I don't know how, how you tend to think about what, what your spiritual life looks like, what taking care of your heart looks like. But for me, when I'm thinking that that's just something I do on my own, something that I just got to kind of buckle down, I got to just hit the grindstone, get to work, it is just such an, such an overwhelming thing for me. It's like, where do I start? Where am I going? What does this look like? And it's like, I'm not, I'm not even going to start this. And then here, is, as God begins to, to shape our and change the way we look at this, to see this as something that we do together, something that we do as a body, it's just such a, a freeing thing. Church, I hope you're, you're seeing the, the beauty and the blessing of God's gift of his body to us that we take care with our hearts together. Because as I was mentioning, it is hard work. To take care with our hearts. It's, it's nearly impossible to do this alone. And now, I, now I say all of that to say, and by all that, I, I don't mean that there's no aspect of taking care of our hearts that we, that we do on our own. God does call us to, to read his word, to be meditating on his word, to be, to be asking him, Lord, where, where are you at work in my life? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to be more conformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ? But this command here to take care with your hearts, this command here to, to take care together, it just, it teaches us that don't stop there. Don't just be mindful of the ways that God wants you to grow or the way that God is showing you, hey, Josh, you could really grow in this way. Or Josh, you're really, you're really struggling in this way. Or you need to grow here and just leave it there. That's, that's, that's not what God wants us to do. But as we, we take care of our hearts together, as he's commanding us to do this, he's saying, get together with other people. Like, get involved with other people. Let them know what is going on in your heart. Let them know where you're struggling. Let them know where you just need help. Let them know that you don't know what you need to do and ask for help. 
That's why we gather for community, friends. This, this first command here that God's telling us is, is we gather for community to take care with our hearts because we can't do it alone. It's not easy doing that, reaching out to other people, letting them know, do you know what? I am struggling in this area. I am really struggling to do this, or I'm really struggling to stop doing this. It's hard and it's messy, but church, it is so worth it. It is so beautiful to be met by God's people and his community, to be able to open up your heart, to to know what's going on, to be able to share that with his people that he's called us to be a body with and to receive their care. That's what we're called to do. That's what we want to be doing. We want to be taking care together. And if this, this vision here wasn't compelling enough, the writer, the writer here, he, he wants to drive this, this, this point home in our hearts by continuing on in verse 12, where he, he kind of shows us a warning or a danger for all of our hearts. He tells us, take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. You see, the, the danger for all of us is that if we're, the danger for all of us is that if we're not taking care of our hearts, we are, we are at risk of, of drifting. We are at drift, we are at risk of, of drifting from the gospel, uh, of in very subtle ways wandering from the gospel. I just, you know, I think it's something that, that we, can, we can all relate that when we are not taking care of our hearts, when we're not inviting others in, there's this temptation in our hearts where we can just drift from living in the good of the gospel. Think of that song that we sang this, this morning to open up our service. We, we sang, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This is, this is a live option for all of us. There's this, there's this active fight for the faith going on in all of our lives at all times. And, and the writer to the Hebrews is saying, look, see this, this fight. See this battle that's out there. You are at risk. There's a temptation that your heart is going to drift from the gospel, from, from the good news of, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that brings us forgiveness, it brings us the abundant life, it, it assures us of our eternal salvation, this good news of the gospel, this, this amazing news. And, and as, if you can relate with uh, whoever wrote that hymn, if you can relate with me this morning, that news that is so amazing and, and captures our hearts on Sunday morning, by Sunday afternoon, we are just slowly but surely prone to wander. I don't know if you can relate, but, but, but the writer to the Hebrews knows that this is a reality for all of our hearts, and so he calls us to take care with our hearts together. I just want to speak a little briefly here about, the, about how this informs the how of our home groups. I hope you're seeing why we want to we gather for community, because we want to take care together but this taking care together speaks to, to the how of our home groups as well. And it speaks to the ways that I think we are, are purposefully and intentionally, and intentionally wanting to grow in our home groups as well this year. I think one way is, is wanting to, to prioritize responding to God in his word as we talk about the Sunday sermons. We want to we wanna take time in our, in our home groups to take care of our hearts by responding to God's word that was preached that morning. 
this time talking about the, the sermon. It's not meant to, to be a Bible study. It's not meant to, to rehash the, the Sunday morning sermon, uh, kind of just sharing all of your notes. Or, or it's not an opportunity or a time for us to, to say everything we wish the pastor had said, which um, it, when I'm preaching, I'm sure you have a lot more fodder there. But um, it's not a time for us to just rehash, regurgitate the sermon, but, but the, the home groups in these times where we're, where we're responding to God's word, we want those to be times where we are, are, are really just seeing how does God's word personally and practically apply to my life? How does, this, how does God's word maybe expose an area of, of sin or unbelief in, in my heart? How, do, how is this passage of scripture calling me to, to change the way I live? How is it calling me to redirect my affections from the things of this world to the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ? How is, is this passage that we're preaching on calling us to, to change our behavior? And as we're, we're able to, to lay our hearts open and bare before God's word, the word that is living and active, the word that discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts as we're being made aware of the way that the Holy Spirit is, is calling us to change, we are sharing that with one another and we're getting their help. We're receiving their encouragement. We're receiving their comfort. We're, we're receiving at times the rebuke or the correction that is necessary. That's what, that's what we want to be doing as we gather together because that's what it means to take care of our hearts together. As we do this, as we respond to God's word, not just rehashing the sermon, but as we respond with our hearts to what God is teaching us, we are taking care together. And it also speaks to the how of why we want to be uh, maybe more intentionally having gender breakouts in our home groups this, this year. I think it's something that we, we, we have got away from. I know I didn't lead my own home group into that very well. But this upcoming year, we want to accent that all the more so that we are just creating a context for us to take care of our hearts openly and honestly. So as the ladies, as they're together, as the men, as they're together, they can just openly and honestly share, guys, here is where I am currently being tempted to sin. Here are the areas of my life where I am just struggling to believe and live in light of the good news that we just heard preached on Sunday morning or that I read in my Bible. Or here's a, a relationship that I am just having conflict in. You know, it's my wife and I, we're struggling in these ways. We're having these, these issues that we just can't work past. Or, or maybe, as, as it was so often the case for us, um, how do I parent this five-year-old? <laughs> how do I parent this nine-year-old? Or Kenzie's almost 10 now, um, although it applies to, to all of our children. <laughs> but, but we want to be creating context where we can openly and honestly discuss our struggles and so that we can receive the care of one another, because that's why we want to do it. It's not just about like throwing our trash out there and saying, yep, this is everything going on in my life, but we want to point each other. We want to take care with our hearts as we just encourage one another, as we help us to, to, be, to stop drifting from the gospel. I mean, personally, I was just reminded of, of how beneficial and, and needful it is to have other people speaking into us that we might take care of our hearts, that I might take care of my heart better. Um, 
think two weeks ago now, maybe it was three weeks ago, we had our, our elders and wives retreat, and, and Tab had kind of teed up some, some conversations that we were going to have as, as guys and as gals, and um, just, just very helpful questions. Hey, where are you aware of the gospel? Where are you aware of sin in your life? Where are you just rejoicing in the gospel? And, and as I was, was reading these questions, as I was thinking about these questions, I just became, just became so overwhelmed with like just this burden on me that like, I'm not going to give the right answer, or, or, or I'm not going to measure up, or I'm not going to say what they, they want me to, to say, or they're not going to think great things about me if I actually say what I'm struggling with here, or if I actually just say that, you know, it's been a week since I've thought about the gospel. I'm not aware of where the gospel is real to me right now. I, I'm really struggling to, to believe the gospel because I'm, I'm just not making time. I'm not making at a priority. And, and, and so all these thoughts are just weighing on me, and I can just feel myself getting depressed. I, we're, we're driving up to, to Oceanside, and, you know, Donna just looks over at me as so sweet as she does, and, you okay, sweetie? <laughs> you, I'm fine. She knew I wasn't, but she, but she, by God's grace, gave me the space that I needed on that drive up there. But as that weekend unfolded, as Donna and I were able to, to get away and just go on a walk and talk, as we were able to, to gather as men and just spend time talking about these things, talking about what's going on in our hearts, as Tab and the other guys were, were asking questions to draw me out, helping me to learn, helping me to see what was going on in my heart, I was just so grateful for God's gift of the community that, that I experienced up there. I was so grateful for Donna, for the guys, just for the way that they were able to help me to see my heart, that I might take care of my heart. And, and that's the, the beauty of the gospel. So if you can, you're aware of, of how you are maybe prone to wander right now or, or ways that you could, could grow and you desire to grow, I just encourage you, lean in to community because God has called us to take care together. So I just, just briefly want to, to mention and, and speak on the last passage of this uh, verse here. In verse 12, it, it warns against their, us having or us developing an evil, unbelieving heart that might lead us to fall away from the living God. To fall away, this is where we, where we get our English word uh, apostasy. And it just it, it speaks to someone who, who leaves the faith, someone who rejects Jesus and the gospel. And for some of us, we can, or not some of us, but for some people, you can, you can read a passage like this, and it can just raise the question, well, does this mean that, that a Christian can lose their salvation? I mean, they, they had a, a believing heart at one point that presumably led them to Christ, and now they have this unbelieving heart that is leading them to fall away from Christ. And if this was, was the only passage in the Bible that said anything about this, it would seem that a Christian might be able to lose their salvation. But, but in my opinion, as we, we take the Bible as a whole, as we consider God's work in our life as a whole from start to finish, it just seems that there's this very clear picture of God holding and keeping his people until the end. Philippians tells us that God who began a good work, God who, who called us, he who began a good work, will complete it. Jesus tells us that he will lose none whom the Father has given him, but he will raise all of them with him on the last day. Jesus tells us that, that all of his sheep, all of those who trust in him, he knows them by name, 
that they've received eternal life and no one is able to snatch them out of his hand. No one can snatch them out of our Father's hand. And so the Bible is clear that for all of those who, who truly believe in Jesus, they can't lose their salvation because if God has called them, if God has granted the gift of eternal life, he will keep them. We're not keeping ourselves, friends, but God is keeping us. But this passage here, this passage here, it just wants to show us, it, or it shows us one of the ways that God means to keep us and one of the ways that God keeps us from falling away is by encouraging us to take care of our hearts. So this warning here, this command to take care with our hearts is a means that God wants to use in our lives to, to keep us from straying, to keep us from drifting. So just before I, we, we move on, I just want to ask, are you taking this warning seriously? Are you, uh, are you aware of the, the subtle or, or imperceptible drift in your heart to wander from this good news of the gospel? I mean, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, it's been some time since you took a step back to consider your own heart, or if it's been some time since you intentionally invited others into your life to help them so they can help you see what's really going on in your heart, then I would just encourage you to consider joining a home group where you will regularly take care of your hearts together. As I mentioned before, our home groups aren't the only place to do that, but they are a structured and scheduled time in all of our lives for us to take care because we need this. This type of community, this type of taking care with our hearts, it's not going to happen on its own. It's not just organically going to happen, but this is something we need to prioritize, something we need to schedule, that we will take care of our hearts together. So if you're here and you've been going to a community group or you've been going to a home group and you've been involved, I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And to keep and just say thank you for seeing home groups as a priority in your life, and just to let this passage encourage you, even create an expectation or or an anticipation for how God is going to want to meet you and help you take care of your heart as we gather together to respond to the sermons, to to open up our lives in these in our gender groups. So that's the first reason, because God commands us to take care with our hearts. But there's a, a second reason here as well, a second reason that we gather for community, and that's because of God's command to exhort others to your Savior. We want to exhort others to our Savior. Now, before we look at what this looks like to exhort one another, I just want to pick up this one another phrase for a while. I just want to, want to consider the implications of this, this one another phrase because if verse 12 wasn't clear enough, verse 13 here, this command for us to, to exhort one another, it just makes it, or should make it clear to us that the Christian life can't be lived in isolation. We can't live our Christian lives unknown, but we need to be intentionally gathering around other Christians where we are intentionally seeking to know them and letting them know us. We want to be known and we want to know others. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that, that vision or that idea of being a part of this community where you are, are known and where you are intentionally knowing others is is on one hand so compelling, and on another hand, it is just so re re repelling to me. 
I, I think it's, it, it's compelling because at a heart level, we all want to be known. God has created us to be known by others in the same way that the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit intimately love and know each other. We've been created as a community to love and to know one another. We, we as one pastor said, we all long to belong. We all long to belong. We all long to be a part of a community that loves us. But at the same time, this, this vision that is so compelling can be repelling as well. Because, because this takes work, <laughs> and it takes vulnerability. I mean, a community like this where we are, are knowing other people, where we are letting them know us, it takes hard work. Like everything else in our lives that's good, that's life-giving, it takes work. We have to, to schedule this. We say yes to this, and we say no to other things that might be more appealing to us because of this conviction that we need this community. So it's hard because it's hard work. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time of us regularly, of us regularly gathering with other people. And also just because it's ugly and it's messy because we know what's going on inside of us. We know our, our hearts. And if you're anything like me, the thought of, of bearing what's going on in your heart, it just kind of it makes you shiver inside the thought of, of someone knowing the, the thoughts that you've had, the, maybe the things that you've done in your past. Those are all things you just want to keep to yourself. And, and so, so it's hard and it takes vulnerability. But knowing that, that we'd struggle with this tension here uh, of resisting but wanting this community, the writer again just alerts us to a, to a danger in our hearts. He tells us that we want to exhort one another to our Savior. And the reason is that so none of us will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see that there in verse 13? It says, exhorts one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. God here is, is calling us to lean into community because we need others to know us so that they can point out the areas of our lives where sin is deceiving us. I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's as clear as reading it on a page. Unless we be, our hearts are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin just seeks to deceive us. It's why it's so easy for us to look at other people and to see their faults and to see their struggles and to see their sins and yet we are just so blind to that, own, to that same sin in our own life. We need other people who are, are knowing us and who can lovingly point out these areas where we need to grow. I think I was, was reminded of this a, a couple weeks ago of just um, how in the way I say things sometimes, it can just come across very, um, very conceited and very prideful. Remember, I was having a conversation with someone, and I was just like, you don't really believe that, do you? And I had no clue how prideful, how arrogant that was, and how hurtful that was to someone I love. I was completely oblivious. It wasn't until hours later where I sensed, like, there's just some, like, I just sense Donna's a little upset with me. And I'm just like, sweetheart, like what's going on? And she was just able to lovingly point out this area in my life where my heart had been hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, where I could just not see how just foolish that was. 
And I needed her to be able to point that out. And it's so true in our lives that, I mean, I'm sure there's a hundred things in my life where I need other people pointing it out. And the same is true for each and every one of you. We all have areas in our lives where we are just deceived. We don't know what we don't know. And we need others to point that out to us. And, and again, that's just another reason why we want to be accenting our gender groups in this year ahead. And so that we can have a context for each of us just to more easily share the things that are going on in our hearts so that others can draw us out and so that others can point out what is so obvious to them and so not even on our radars of areas where we need to go, opportunities for us to grow where we can become more like Christ. And so what does it mean to exhort? The command here, the command here is to exhort one another. We want to know and be known, but what does it mean to exhort? Well, I think that the, that the book of Hebrews is actually the perfect place for us to be to, to ask this question because the writer to the, the book of Hebrews himself calls this letter an exhortation. At the end of the letter in Hebrews 13, 22, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. It wasn't very brief, 13 chapters later. <laughs> Thankful that uh, we don't have the same concept of brief here. But he, he writes them here this, this word of ex exhortation. So if we want to obey this command in verse 3 in chapter 313 to exhort one another then we need to do what the writer's done we need to we need to follow in his footsteps and so what is it that the writer to the hebrews has done what is it that the writer to the hebrews has done since hebrews 1 verse 1 until hebrews 13 i think 25 is the end of the chapter there maybe 26 um what does he do the entire time well, verse after verse, chapter after chapter, page after page, the writer to the Hebrews is pointing us to Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews is showing us who Jesus is, how much better, and how much better he is. I mean, we can't read a chapter of this letter without seeing this beautiful picture of, of who Jesus is, of who he is for us, of seeing what he's done for us. He doesn't shy away from the hard conversations, to be sure. Our passage here itself includes a warning. But this command to exhort one another is just this call for us to continually, time and time again, point each other to our Savior. Because he is what we most need. No matter what anyone is facing, no matter what anyone is walking through, it is Jesus that we most need. It is Jesus who's the best help that we can give. Yes. And this takes hard work because the truth is when someone shares the struggle, when someone shares, hey guys, I'm just, just really busy. Would you pray for me? I, I am really busy. It is just so easy to just offer a few platitudes, maybe to offer a few practical suggestions. Maybe you tell them about the, the getting things done system. You get them a, a schedule plan or you tell them about all of these great tools they could use to help them manage their busyness. And that might have a place. But that advice is just second rate to what God wants us to do for one another. I mean, I just, just think of the example of busyness. And sure, there are seasons in each of our lives where we, we are just busy. Life is busy, and there's just nothing you can say about it. 
But I think a lot of times in our lives, we can become so busy um, really by our own choosing. <laughs> we can become so busy, whether it's a, a fear of man where we just have a hard time of, of saying no to our boss or, or saying no to a ministry leader here at this church that we, we don't want to say no. We don't want anyone to think bad of us. And so we just, we take it on and we just make ourselves busier and busier. Or maybe we just have this, uh, this performance drive where we feel like we have to, like if we have any value at all, if there's, there's anything, in our, if there's any meaning in our life, then, then that is seen by us just doing things. So I need to, to constantly be doing things to constantly feel okay. If we're offering them getting things done in a scheduling planner, when the issue in their heart is a, a struggle with the fear of man or, or a struggle of, of craving the approval of other people or just a, a need to see who they are in Jesus, then we're not exhorting one another to our Savior. We're not pointing one another to Christ. And church, we want to be a group of people that is doing that because Jesus is the help that we most need. So I just use busyness, but whatever the, the issue is going on in life, and we're always full of them, whatever sin we're struggling with, whatever struggle that we're facing in life, no matter what it is, we want to be, be working, we want to be, be growing in our dependence upon the, the Holy Spirit, growing in our familiarity with the gospel so that we can help hear what people are saying, we can see their hearts, and we can do what the writer to the Hebrews tells us to do, and that is point one another to Jesus. Because in the midst of our anger, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our, just in the midst of when we're feeling weighed down by guilt and by shame, or when we're, we're struggling with anxiety, we need Jesus. We need to see how beautiful Jesus is, how good he is, how he is, he is better than anything else that we might want. So in our home groups, as we are gathering together, as we are opening up our lives and our hearts, we want to be pointing each other to Jesus. We want to be reminding each other that only Jesus satisfies the longing of our hearts. We want to be pointing others to Jesus because he's the only one who can give rest for our weary souls. We want to point, we want to lead others to Jesus as the only refuge for us to flee in the midst of trials and temptations and suffering. And church, I just want to, to encourage you and, and just let you know that while we always have room to grow in these ways, that this is something that you are doing. Um, I, I reached out to a number of people to get some feedback on, hey, how were, were home groups meaningful? How, how did God use home group in your life over this past year? Um, and a lot of wonderful things to share, but there's this one um, just brief sentence here that I was just or I guess brief paragraph here, that I was just struck by, and I want to share with you all so that you can see how God used this person's home group in their life this past year. They said, Being in a home group provides a safe place to pour, to pour our hearts out and to be poured into. These people remind us of the gospel when we're struggling with the busyness of life and hearing lies from the enemy. They're, they remind us of the gospel. They point us to Jesus in the midst of the busyness of life, in the midst of the hearing lies from the enemies. It's a great place to grow in relationships with others and most of all to grow in relationships with Christ. Church, this is why we want to gather for community. 
because we desire to see God meet us in the same ways that he met this member. We want to gather for community so that we can take care of our hearts together. We want to gather for community so that we can know others and that we can exhort them. We can point them to Christ, the one that they need. Because we so often forget. Because I so often forget. It's, it's a wonderful blessing to go to home group Sunday night after Sunday morning. If nothing else, then to be reminded of what I'd already forgotten just a few hours, what a few hours earlier. And that's, and that's just the, the blessing of our home groups is, is as we join one, as you, you go to them one, or even as you consider how God, whether God might be calling you to just buy in, to lean into community this year, is just to see it as this opportunity for you to have this structured and regular context in your life where God is going to meet you to help you take care. He's going to meet you as others point you to the Savior, as, as he uses you to point others to the Savior. And as we're doing these things, we're going to be getting to our destination. We're going to be getting to our goal as a church of being this gospel-centered community on the gospel-centered mission of making and growing disciples. Well, there's not much new information here for you this morning, but I hope that as, as you're hearing God's reminder of the importance for us to gather in community, that your hearts are, are, are being stirred in gratefulness for the gift of the church, for the gift of this body. Hope that you're, you're being filled with a fresh hope for how God wants to, to meet you as you gather for community with his people. And even that you're, you're longing to be a member of a community that's doing these things is just growing and that God might fan that into flame. You received in your, your bulletins just a, a half sheet that lists all of our home groups, where they are, what nights of the week they meet. Reach out to a home group leader, find out when their next meeting is, and become more like Christ with his people together. Well, as we close our service, we want to we close by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And it's fitting that we, we close this way because this meal is such a, such a vivid display of what we've been talking about today. The common loaf here, it's a, it's a reminder to us that we're, we're part of the band can come up. Sorry about that. The ushers can be released. But uh, the common loaf here is a, is a reminder to us that we're, we're part of a larger body that's God's people. We're, we're not meant to be alone, but to be visibly and tangibly connected to each other. And the bread and the cup, they remind us once again that Jesus is what we most need. We need to be pointed to his life, to his death, and to his resurrection time and time again to remind our hearts of the forgiveness and life that we have now in Christ and the promise of eternal salvation that God is offering to us. Before we celebrate together, just if you are here and you might not trust in Jesus, if you're here and you don't know what you believe, I just hope that as you heard this vision of this compelling community that God is calling his people to be, I just would, would encourage you to turn and to look to Jesus, the one who's better. Look to Jesus, the one who satisfies our longings. Deep down, we're all aware of, of who we really are, and we're, we're searching for something that we feel is going to make us whole, something that we feel is, is going to give us this enoughness that we're searching for. But as we've seen today, and as we see in the gospel, only Jesus can give you that. So this morning, take Christ. Well, church, we do, we, we do this. We celebrate the Lord's Supper because on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. 
And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and blessed it and said, this, or, um, this cup is, is my blood, which is poured out for you. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in just a moment, as the band plays, um, when you're ready, head down the outside aisles, receive a piece of the bread, take a cup with the wine or the juice. And as you do this, be reminded of who God has called you to be, and even use this as an opportunity to exhort one another, to remind one another that Jesus is better as we take the bread and the cup. When you're ready, you may come.
It's good news, isn't it? If you are in Christ, he holds you fast. And he will never let you go. But as you're hearing, one way in which he holds us fast is by using his people in our lives. Did you take that away today? He holds us fast in part by using those around you to keep you going. And he wants to use you in other people's lives 